Welcome to Joyce's podcast series, Live Curiously. I'm Susie Lau, and I've been a fashion journalist and content creator for over a decade in London. I've been interested in how young designers grow from their breakout graduate collections to becoming established brands. In this episode, I speak to the exceptionally talented Richard Quinn, who shortly after graduating from Central St. Martins was thrust into the spotlight after Her Majesty the Queen made a surprise appearance at his London Fashion Week show in 2018 and presented Quinn with the inaugural Queen Elizabeth II Award for British Design. Since then, Quinn has had a dizzy ascent, making a mark with his spectacular collections of subversive floral prints combined with couture silhouettes and notching up collaborations with the likes of Montclair. In addition, Richard runs an open access studio in Peckham in South London, offering young designers digital and screen print services in small runs. I spoke to Richard over Zoom just as the second lockdown had begun in London to talk about creating with ambition, even through these weird times, and also about the importance of not showing just for the sake of showing, as Quinn recently decided to delay his London Fashion Week show in September until next year. Where do we begin, Richard? How have you been first? Let's uh, let's get the niceties out of the way. How have you been? Yeah, good. It's been like a long one, hasn't it? It's almost like a year now in terms of like lockdown and we're about to go into another strip to lockdown. But yeah, in general, we're quite good. It's been quite a good time just to like stop and develop new things and things that we'd never have time to do. I can hear the railway, the trains going over your railway bridge. So you are in your studio in Peckham. Yeah. Have you expanded it? What, what has been going on in RQ down in, down in Peckham? We, RQ the brand and also RQ the print studio, I guess. Yeah, I think the print studio, we were kind of uniquely set up to keep going during lockdown. So we helped a lot of graduates do their collections and a few people that couldn't get samples done in Italy and things like that, we were able to print quite quickly. So the print business is actually quite good running alongside. And then in terms of like the fashion side, we've cleared everything out and archived it. Now I've had time to actually find a space and actually go from like start to finish with it. So that's actually quite good because a lot of it was still in like suitcases and stuff like that. So it was nice to actually get all these like dresses hung up that we spent quite a lot of time on. <laughs> oh, so is it like a proper archive now then, like where you can kind of look through? Yeah, we found like a nice like hanger type of space and we just basically got like two really big long rails. But it's nice now because then we can kind of visibly see what we've got. And, and like if anyone needs a sample, we can like go back in the archive. Whereas before it was very much like what suitcase is it in? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. And I, I'm sure they've also been shot to death as well, like everything from your MA yeah. to, to current. So Yeah, we kind of need to repair some of it as well. Yeah. So the theme for Joyce's Live Curiously podcast this season is craft and care. I kind of really wanted to talk to you about with everything that's happened since the Queen moment, which you're probably so sick and tired of talking about. You know, the craft aspect, the kind of ethos behind Richard Quinn, the brand, and also Richard Quinn, the studio, like what those fundamentals, 
how have they been driving you since that show and also maybe since before when you first started the studio yeah um i recently watched the crown in lockdown like from start to finish i've been like really late on that boat now i'm like actually looking back on the queen moment being like way more interested in it (laughs) like i'm like oh that's actually quite cool like she's not just a figurehead there is something behind her she's not just a hologram yeah and it's so real the way they've done it as well and obviously they've probably like use their creative license on a lot of the storylines but it's actually really good I think but um yeah I think all the stuff that I've always tried to do make it like screen printed or embroidered or I love that kind of like old 50s and 60s kind of like couture shapes and things like that and really interesting like the insides of dresses where they've got like corsets and things like that and just like the structure of dresses themselves we obviously have like a commercialized line as well but I really like the kind of show aspects and aesthetic of it to be that really kind of crafted element whether it's in like the silhouette the textiles there's always going to be that kind of like handmade quality to it in like the nicest sense of the word and in terms of like how we make things everything's printed in our studio everything's all our show samples are made here and in that kind of like sustainable touching on that as well in terms of like our printers as well they're all water-based and it's sublimation so we don't have like loads of water waste going into the environment and things like that so there's like processes we put in place from the beginning that's kind of put us in good stead until now so I think that's kind of like the nice thing about it but yeah I really love doing those kind of like really kind of impossible dresses and it's like a real challenge like completely embroidered things and even if the end product of a showpiece is like super heavy or something like that it's just that kind of making like a small embroidered swatch over a huge gown and then trying to figure out a way of like keeping the shape and the silhouette and stuff so I think that kind of whole crafted element of it is always going to be there for me I think But yeah, that's kind of how we navigate each collection, really. Mm. But what I love about, you know, not just in terms of like the ambition of your aesthetic, because it is so like powerful, like in the loudness of the prints, the largeness of the volumes, but also that, that you even have the time or the inclination to think about that more altruistic side to your business and to your brand. You know, what struck me about you from your MA collection and then when you won that prize money that you just took that money and set up something that wasn't gonna necessarily benefit your brand it was doing something for a community a creative community to set up this print studio so that you can do these shorter print runs yeah I really want to kind of find out more about that altruistic side which I think is so rare I think in this industry Yeah, it was nice because when I was studying at St. Martin's, it was almost like I did women's wear, but with fashion print. It's basically the course is called fashion prints where you either make men's wear or women's wear, but you make all the textiles and usually screen printing. Um, But it was really apparent like during the summers of the course or like especially when I was on the MA during that summer, there was nowhere to print. And anywhere that there was print, there was a lot of restrictions. And just for me, it wasn't like a nice environment. It wasn't like a friendly young team or like people that have been in the industry that are really interesting it seemed really like corporate the way some studios were being run so going into my final year in the MA I was really intent on using lots of prints and all that kind of stuff but making sure that I could then if I had my own brand after it could carry that on developing prints in terms of like colors and things like that does just take quite a lot of time so if you're doing it with a factory there's so much back and forth as well so I think in terms of the benefit of my brand it's that everything is made in-house and we can develop prints and the colors that everything is like really vibrant and exact because the color read can make a print look really cheap or really expensive in my opinion so it's really nice to kind of get that depth of color and do all the strike-offs in-house but then 
the whole other side of it was that we had this amazing space that we're not using all the time as well. And then it was kind of allowing other people to come into the space. We can't really do that with lockdown now, but um, initially it was all about people could screen print in the space, but then we also have like a digital print service as well. So I worked a lot with Epson and with the machinery and things like that. So we've been able to get all these amazing technologies within the studio from the start and offer them at like an affordable price. So we serve the industry as well as students and anyone that needs anything printed as well. So it's kind of like a nice interaction with the outside world as well, I think. Because I think sometimes it can be really like you look in too much. So I think sometimes it's nice to actually have like a conversation with like another designer or something just to see how everything's going on, especially in times like this. Like yeah. a lot of people can't do their production in Italy or something like that. And they're, they come all really like disheveled, like, oh, I really need, I'm like, yeah, yeah, calm down. Let's get a coffee. And like, how's it going? <laughs> like, so it's quite nice on that. Take like, a, nice br- a breather in your studio. <laughs> yeah. How has the business been going like during this period then? Like how have you been navigating this period, not just with your own production, but also with the designers that you work with? Yeah, so it's kind of like interesting because we do a lot of our production in London anyway. So with that, that was kind of straightforward for us. And then the last show that we did, the House of Quinn one, it was kind of that uncertain time of all brands where the orders were being actually fulfilled and how it was going to work and things like that. So we kind of took a pause for two weeks to kind of just see because I didn't want to start making stuff that then people cancelled, which is understandable as well. Like if I had a shop and you weren't going to be open for like eight months, it's like... I don't want to produce something that's never going to be worn anyway. So it was nice just to kind of see what orders are definitely going to go through and then like make a plan from that. And then, so we just navigated it, all the kind of supplies that we had in London and got that done. And then the trickle of like other designers started to come in to get all their production done as well. So we kind of helped them source fabrics as well, because a lot of our suppliers are in London or agents that we could hook them up with. But yeah, and then we started to kind of look outward and think, this isn't going away anytime soon. So what could we do that would actually be quite a fun project? So then we started making all these kind of like printed scrubs and things like that. So yeah. it's just kind of a, a good way to get out of the house as well. So it was nice to kind of do something like really positive, quite fun and like a very simple garment that makes a lot of difference. That was kind of the fun aspect. And then we started to look at how could we reach more people. So we did like a free mask project as well, where we made like, I think it was like two, 3,000 masks. And then anyone that messaged us for one, we then just started sending them out. So that was like quite a nice project just to keep us occupied because there was nothing really going on in fashion at that point anyway. So. Yeah, it had really come, in, come to a standstill. And I think you were one of the first... I mean, there were a, a, definitely a group of designers at yeah. like Phoebe English, people like that, that were getting into PPE. And yeah. yours was definitely the, the mo- most striking ones. Yeah. Do they actually get worn and used then in a hospital context? Yeah, exactly. One of my ex-employees, her sister works in Guys and St. Thomas's. So then we just gave her a load but then like quite senior people started to wear them and then I think when once the consultants started to wear them everyone was like on board so then we started to search our hashtag and like loads of people were just wearing them in the hospital which was quite nice as well and then even like my friends they have friends that are doctors and we just started to send a lot out so we turned turned into like an ace off sort of scrubs for a bit which was quite funny <laughs> Amazing. So good. It's nice to see that there is kind of some positive aspects in what is a really challenging working situation. 
No, for sure. And then we even started to branch out into people who are vets as well. So <laughs> you find yourself in this really weird scenario where you're flipping through like a cotton book of like party fabrics that are usually like cotton backdrops and things like that. And you're like, oh, let's just do lo- loads of cats. <laughs> it's like, mate, loads of cats jobs. Then all the factories we usually work with are like, what is your new collection? I'm like, no, 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 the scrubs. <laughs> like... You've gone from like, Demi couture gowns with bustles to overlock tops, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but then let's fast forward to September, spring, summer, twenty one shows. Everybody obviously was working in a very different way. Uh, yeah, I watched so many digital shows. <laughs> like my brain was like, I feel like more tapped out than going to physical shows. Yeah. Actually, for me. I felt like it was just like sort of on like a continuous loop <laughs> of Instagram online happenings, shows. Yeah, yeah. Look, but I was just sort of like inundated with visuals, JPEG, digital content. <laughs> and then you did launch a teaser during London Fashion Week. Yeah. And then Nothing. we got to <laughs> October and it didn't happen. The show was, we decided to skip a season or wait it out. Yeah, I think it was just got to the point where it was like, I always weigh up what the experience of you in the collection would be. I think obviously everyone does that as well, but I think it's really personal to me and I'm a huge fan of fashion. Like I love fashion from when, even when I was like 15, 16, got really into it. And I always just would look and really analyse things. And I just think other people would do that to us as well. And I just think if the message wasn't being executed in the way that I wanted or wasn't possible in the way it was being presented, I just think it's better to respect the clothes that we worked on and like allow it more time to breathe and like add to it. And all the clothes that we made for this collection, like 90% of it was all hand embroidered. And it's just one of those things where it just takes time. And you've been to our studio, it's big enough, but it's not like huge where you can have like what we usually have, like 20 seamstresses or something. You just can't do that. It got to the point where we just weighed up, like, not what's the point, but I don't want to put these really amazing seamstresses in like danger, like coming to our studio and then for like an embroidered gown, it just didn't make sense. And I feel it was a bit tasteless in a way for, not for other people, but more for us in terms of like the back end of it. I really want it to be like a really great vision that you see as well as how it's made. I feel like we just wanted to really respect the people that work for us. And it did just get to the point where it was like, do you know what? It's just fashion. It's gonna, these clothes will stay in these bags. Yeah. And we're going to show it in February at like as planned. And it feels kind of right now looking back. It felt so freeing. The minute I made that decision, I was like, no, do you know what, guys? Let's just take a pause. Like, all of us just like had a huge sigh of relief because it was like, you don't know like if someone catches up on the bus. And these ladies are like 50s, 60s. And it's like, I don't want to be responsible for like <laughs> knocking a few seamstresses off just to make a show. Do you know what I mean? So there was that aspect. And then like the collection was ready. And then it was just that kind of whole shooting it was really difficult and like there's lots of like elements of like shooting things now it's very like hard to navigate and, like, restrictions navigate. yeah i mean it's it's so interesting to see how people kind of got around it maybe also flouted a few rules as well along the way <laughs> or yeah i don't know everyone's sort of judgment of the situation maybe yeah it's, it, it's it different is, for it, it is very different um 
for you, it does seem like you feel responsible for yeah those yeah. people that are working for you and working with you and, and are like your collaborators. Yeah, and like I feel like the visuals that I really engage with are, are really cinematic. And if I was to do a video that posts like a physical show, it'd really have to have that element of almost like a, a film you'd watch or like really elevated in a way where it doesn't feel like I'm selling you like a top. It's more like you become part of the fantasy. And when that fantasy starts to slip away, it then becomes a bit like one of those fast cut fashion videos. And it's like, oh, I don't want that. I I really want that kind of storytelling. You want lots of dances in one space or like ballroom dancing or something. It's like, how are we going to do that with like 50 people in one space? Do you know what I mean? It's like, why don't we Mm. just try and now it's given us the luxury of time to like add in things that will make the story make sense but as well as actually film these things maybe not this month (laughs) like maybe in January and yeah and the teams were there and like I want it to be like a cinematic thing that someone like you will watch Mm. and be like oh wow isn't that really cool and like in this really noisy environment of like digital content at the moment something that will just land and have breath so at that point we were like oh why don't we just like push it back at a fashion week so it's like not in like the back-to-back of everything once fashion kind of we kind of came and went it's a bit mm. like oh it's almost like handing in your homework late it's a bit like oh it's not gonna get marked anyway <laughs> like, <joking. laughs> isn't this period taught us that you can just dictate your own rhythm that's the kind anyway, of thing you're probably going to be showing a more commercial collection to buyers to continue their seasonal buys yeah you know you're doing that through zoom or whatever you're continuing that aspect but to us like the the viewer or the public if a show doesn't happen during this week on this day nobody is gonna be like well you know that's ridiculous (laughs) you know when you put something out there they'll just absorb it it's not like they are standing there like looking at their watch going like when is the Richard Quinn show happening? <laughs> exactly I think that is the kind of beauty of the world at the moment that because everything's kind of been stopped at every kind of stage I don't think there's like where the the end product would usually end up on these ladies at these like really amazing events and things like that because that's kind of gone the anticipation for that is kind of gone which I think is quite interesting because then we start to design new things and like now developing like really what I think are quite cool bags and shoes and things like that that will launch next season mm. as well because we are a really small team we never usually have the time to do that and like even on our jackets we've now done like loads of custom hardware and things like that and I feel like coming off the back of like the last show and then doing the Montclair thing I feel like the visions of both of those were like an achievement for us as a team we're like oh yeah that's exactly kind of how we imagined it looking so then going forward we I really want to commit to that kind of vision that for each season because usually you like racing to do something but they're the kind of first two seasons that are like oh that's really good like I'm quite happy with that and like everyone was like oh yeah it was Mm. worth it I feel like now it's kind of like this rare grace period that I haven't had since before we started which has been quite nice because you've been on such a like mammoth non-stop (laughs) non-stop onslaught you know yeah which is like great in some ways Which is it, which is super fortunate for any graduate, but yeah. it's also a lot. I, I'm always impressed to, as to how many collaborations you manage to get under your belt, yeah. how many projects, and then like and you know working up to that Montclair collaboration and doing it so well as well. It's such a like high level. Yeah, that's kind of what's been amazing about the time, but also 
in lockdown, like walking 12 miles on a Wednesday, it was a bit like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> like, I would uh, never yeah. ever have this time ever. So I feel like it's been like a really nice refresh as well. Obviously, it's like horrible what's going on. But I think in terms of having like a stop for a bit, it's been actually been really fun. And in terms of like fabrics, and you do fall into this danger of like, when you do commercial things as well, having carryovers, and then like, they don't change that much. So now we've had a lot of time to come up with like shoes, bags, like really cool things that are basically sitting on a rail waiting to go. So it's now quite exciting. Not ready. Yeah, exactly. Rather than like, trying to navigate lots of different things. Got something exciting to show. Actually, I was speaking to someone else about that red carpet aspect. And obviously, because, you know, it's such a big part of selling that fantasy, especially with like your clothes that kind of are towards like couture, you know, moments like Amal Clooney and Cardi B or whatever, all of that stuff is super important and it does have an impact. Have you kind of felt that maybe that absence, you know, not having these like moments or whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like the moments I think have just changed. I think those key turning point moments aren't really happening right now. So I think it's just Mm -hmm. trying to think of how you can connect to people in an interesting way, whether you send them something or something more interactive, I guess. But yeah, that kind of like elevated platforms kind of gone for a while, which is kind of sad because I kind of love that kind of formality of like everyone dressing up and just going for it i love when people well you love you love a dress up too (laughs) (laughs) let's be honest well exactly but even like the met and stuff like that we were we were meant to be dressing Mm. a few people there and that didn't happen that's kind of sad as well but i feel like once this is all gone which it will go i mean it has to I think it would be more saturated than ever. I feel like everyone will just be like, let's go for it. I feel like it's going to be Raging. like... Yeah, which I think is going to be amazing. I think things will boom after this as well. And I think people will look back on it as like a really sad time and stuff. But I think people will look back being quite worried in this period and think like, oh, we're fine now. Like, it's not cut to it, like getting worse. But I mean... Famous last words, Richard. Exactly. But yeah, it's been nice for pause, but I feel like it'll be like the 20s again. I just kind of feel it. Like people will love mm. to dress up and any occasion will be special. Like even just meeting up with friends and people will make like a real effort. So I feel like things are changing into like a more relaxed and comfortable um, kind of product state at the moment. But I feel like it will evolve again, which is exciting. I feel like that's kind of what, when you look back at fashion, the period of time where it goes from like big circles skirt dresses in the 50s to then suddenly like these tiny little mini skirts in the 60s like you see like the crossover of that is really interesting so it'd be nice to kind of see how people navigate that and how like the actual things you look back on in this era are defined in this moment and maybe you don't think of it at the moment but when you look back you'll really see it so what would be your kind of like post pandemic like reaction what are the things that like are are you super excited about in terms of broadening your aesthetic or reacting to what's going on around you yeah I love the idea and what we're playing on at the moment is actually like even like lots of dancers in it but in like a very like it's a really bad way to describe it but almost like a Disney-esque thing where it's like lots of synchronized things I was like watching lots of like synchronized balls like things things like like that that. like very like visually like so much going on but it's all synchronized and part of one world and that's kind of the idea that we're executing at the moment is and that's kind of what we were going to show so it's going to be exciting to kind of see 
I'm sure a sweat jumper in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that is the most natural and slightly not annoying, but like, okay, yes, we've been wearing a lot of sweatpants. Does it need to? Does it need to feature in every single? I better do. Twenty-one collection. <laughs> you know, like the, just even the word, the language of of the collections have been just so. Yeah, it's about ease. It's about comfort. <laughs> And I guess for me, I'm just sort of yearning for yes, but what else? That's what kind of comes the thing. I feel after like... ease and comfort. What if you're a designer that's not about ease or comfort? Yeah, and I feel like when I look back at shows that were like amazing and designers that I admire, the shows that grab my attention are the ones that are like full fantasy and all that kind of stuff. But they all had like a chiffon dress that was commercialised. They all had like a jumper with a logo or like some sort of interest to it. So I feel like I don't want to... Because you do battle with that for a few weeks as well. You're like, oh, God, there's no events going to happen. So what should I design? But then it just doesn't come... Or even what's way. appropriate. You know, like there was a question of what feels appropriate. I know. I feel like there is that kind of like appropriate thing. But I was almost approaching this collection as like, like a film. It was more like... I feel like fans of fashion love that as well. Like, because I am one myself. I love seeing something that is kind of like crafted and things like that and i think people kind of forget when they have conversations of like what's appropriate it's so distasteful that you're doing ball gowns but i feel like there's so many people that work on it it's like an industry like we pay so many people i feel like there is that whole kind of aspect of it as well that there is value in an image as well and i feel like that image would sell a pajama like we're not going to sell a hundred fully embroidered long train dresses. We know that, I know that myself, but I mean, the woman that looks at that is intelligent and is like, wow, the craft of that, their pajamas must be crafted. And do you know what I mean? I feel like mm. the whole aspect- One lends itself to the other. Yeah. Whenever you look back at like a Galliano Dior show, I just look at it like, wow, they've actually made those by themselves with their own hands. Like that's amazing, but I doubt Lots of people having like exposed corset, big bustle things. They're going for like the leather jacket that has a dual label in it. I feel like there is kind of value in that image. And that's kind of what I want to stay true to. Because I feel like if we did like that whole spiel of, you know, it's all about ease and we're reacting to the times, you'd be a bit like, oh, you've stuck a floral on a jumper. Shut up. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's no point. To it. <laughs> like, there would be no point to that. And I feel like we want to have that fantasy element to it because that's what I love and there's no point me sitting here doing separates as our main showcase because there'd be no point in that it's not what you're about as well and you know like when you did that House of Quinn show I really loved how there was this ambition to actually creating kind of almost revitalizing that English haute couture tradition yeah. you know I was thinking like wow imagine if there was this like house of queen <laughs> or Savile Row or whatever like like a, you know like Hardy Amy's yeah. Norman Hartnell yeah. those sort of couture salons in London and that era yeah. harking back to that I thought that was a really yeah, nice yeah and that's touch. kind of what I lo- like exactly that like I love looking back at those shows where even like you sell on like the old ones you kind of define the collection by the backdrop and the opulence of it as well and yeah, I, I do feel like that won't change, I don't think. It would just be strange and it doesn't come naturally to for me to design like that. That's just not what I'm interested in. And then it doesn't become genuine. It doesn't become authentic or anything along those lines. So I feel like we're striving towards that really cinematic vision. We don't know if there's going to be 
physical shows because you can't predict it but if we do this amazing cinematic film hopefully there might be more of like a live version like kind of how we did the Montclair thing I think it's quite clever where it's more of like a walkthrough but there's like a live sort of happening going on I don't know so I do think there is value in actually seeing things move and actually seeing like the volumes and the fantasy of it but then we've got to do that in like a a safe and grown-up way. I was going to say, though, like, the physical shows that you have done have always, like, been such a an experience. Kind of like extravaganzas, but then done in a really grounded <laughs> way. I'm always so impressed at how you kind of, like, balance that, like, where you can see it's this really, like, ambitious, extravagant thing, but then you know... Like, it's like your your brother that laid the carpet in York Hall for the Spring 20 show or, or your yeah. dad helping out. How important is it to, like, have your family involved in, in those aspects? Like, I'm super close to my family. I'm, like, one of five children. And, like, we all live around and they've all got nieces and nephews. Like, we're always seeing each other. So... It would be, for me, really abnormal to not involve family. And, like, I grew up with my dad in a scaffolding truck, seeing how he, like, navigated his business and, like, even doing his invoices and things like that really gave me, like, a real 360 on how a company actually works and even how you have to navigate people sometimes and things like that. So I feel like not asking my dad's opinion would be really abnormal for me. I also wanted to talk to you about the kind of community aspects that you've also kind of instilled as part of I keep wanting to skirt around the word sustainability because I think just being like aware of what's going on around you I think that's kind of what you're about really like even though you're doing this like fantasy super like surreal fashion vision actually the way you operate your business and in your day-to-day practice is like rooted in something like grounded and down to earth you know just even things like thinking of inviting kids from a local school to sit at your show and to highlight the fact that arts education funding is decimated just things like that I think it's like really admirable but then I'm also thinking "Mm, why isn't that just something that people just naturally think of and it's not like you have to make a big song and dance about it yeah but people just do it no i agree like even like the school children thing like i loved fashion when i was about 14 15 i remember buying like the vogues if like there's like a crossover where i really like the ramones at one point and like oh you a punk well no. i think i want to be punk <laughs> like, there's that kind of crossover then you'd see like a vogue article where they're like doing a punk or like rock themed shoot and there's that kind of like indie moment but then I met that's a, that was kind of the ceiling point. Like you couldn't like access it or anything like that. So I think when I, I usually go back to my old sixth form and I like show them my portfolio because they're more like a fine art A level. So to get into like a fashion school, you kind of show work that I've done there to kind of like give them an indication. Because at that point, you're I suppose in A level art, you're just like annotating photos, aren't you? You're not really like bringing an idea to an extent. So when I went there, they're like, oh, I'd love to come to one of your shows. Like once I like showed them a video on the PowerPoint or whatever it was. And that just kind of like naturally happened. We were like, yeah, great. So then we invited the sixth form that I went to and my secondary school that I went to, like art students. And it's really great to highlight a cause. But like you're saying, it's really good just to give someone that experience. Like, I think it was great. I think like that's something like once shows come back in, we want to continue doing. And we did it with like the St. Martin's MA as well. Some of the students came from there. So it was quite a nice just like to involve people that wouldn't usually get to come. 
that mm. I'm kind of associated with in a way. So it was quite nice to kind of show where I've come from and kind of trying to boost the next generation to be like, you can do it. Even if like a guy came from A-level art or something and he's like really not interested in like the creative side, you would have seen how many people are on production and there's like so many jobs within the industry that you could be inspired by. So yeah, it's always like a positive thing to give like someone like a good experience like that. Mm, you had such a exceptional like rise from your graduate collection compared to like kind of this generation of graduates do you ever wonder like how are they gonna like forge their way I suppose well we were talking about this the other day actually just in the studio and it's like god when you think about not just you personally but exactly that like even imagine being at university right now you couldn't even or being in university halls like your whole day-to-day life is completely altered and it is not as free like you just like you make friends by going out that's kind of how you get influenced it's not even just the educational aspect it's the social aspect yeah but even being like inspired by your friends and like where you go out the music that whole kind of like community and culture when you actually start going out as a young teenager to in university that's kind of like missing right now so be interesting to kind of see maybe like new cultures form or like new ways of like socializing form i don't know it's just mm. but it's just like a really tough one but i've seen like quite a few platforms that are like championing like young people and things like that so i think as long as that keeps going and there's like opportunities within the industry for them to like be hired and things like that i think hopefully they should have a voice but i do know what you mean it's like a real tough one to call in terms of like if you have this really amazingly talented person how do they then break through the threshold? That is a lot harder mm. to now. No, I just thought about like maybe, you know, just uh, thinking, especially with CSM and the MA grads, like through the years, like there was this like golden period of like, um, you know, like the, the Christopher Kane generation. Yeah. And you'd kind of do your MA and then you'd go to Fashion East and then. And you'd yeah. have like a ready-made There was designer. that whole cycle with a lot of designers in London and then it got to your generation and Halpen and that era. And then now it's sort of like, I feel like there's just maybe less mm. designers breaking through that way. And maybe it's because it's more challenging, more difficult. It's just a, not as conducive an environment as it used to be. I know maybe. what you mean. Yeah, it's just one of those things where... Like you say, you'd do like the classic kind of formula would do the BA, MA, and then like you'd either go to New Gen or Fashion East and then you'd do a show and then, but without those kind of physical environments, everyone, then on the other hand, everyone is kind of on a level playing field as well, where you can make digital content. So maybe it's just the platforms change for a while, but I do know what you mean. It is very difficult because you don't have that kind of live show of the MA. Like I remember just being on the MA, like that's all I wanted to be in, like the press show. Like I was so determined. I was like, that's my life. Like, oh, yeah, I know. There's like a whole competition in itself, right? Yeah. So I think it's like the anti-climax. You kind of have to initially get over, I guess. But yeah, there was a girl who we printed for actually, um, really, really nice. And we were kind of having this conversation with her during lockdown. And I think her name's Sohi. And she did like all these kind of like graduated prints. And we printed all her lame and all that kind of stuff. And there was kind of that, oh, what to do, how are you going to navigate it, all that kind of stuff. But then look at her now, like she's on Miley Cyrus, she's on like all these amazing people. So I feel like there are people like her, which can break through the threshold. Like she's already becoming part of, if you think about these moments with Miley and people like who are actually have so many eyes on them, that in a way is probably better 
them being in like a press show and not getting noticed, I guess. So I th- feel like there's good points and bad points. To it. So hopefully people like her can like really maintain that kind of momentum and keep going. Mm. So I wanted to ask, I kind of mentioned ambition a lot because I think maybe you probably don't see it as ambitious because you're just doing it. You're just like, you know, going through the momentum of it and you just go, you're just doing bosh, 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 like one thing, one thing, and then moving on to the next. But do you see how big you want Richard Quinn, the brand, the house to be? Do you have like that kind of vision in your head, like an end goal almost? Or is it just a continuous got like you know shifting of goals i think there's like definite pillars that i want to achieve and i think obviously they're like shifting in terms of like how to achieve it because of the current situation but there's like lots of add-ins to the business that we want to do along the way kind of make it like a 360 not to sound like an apprentice task but like a 360 (laughs) brand in terms of where we do homeware and maybe we do and like the way in people the way in which people buy things now or gift things is completely different. So we're trying to think of ways that is like really true to us and like things that I still really enjoy can like be added into like the brand itself, but also to make the experience of buying something from us like really amazing. So we're making our own kind of online platform at the moment for our own e-com and stuff like that. But yeah, I'll have to send you one of our new bags. I think the new samples come next week so you can be the test run. But yeah, so I think I do like the idea of like having some sort of like kind of one that I like is like McQueen, the way they kind of had that one building in London that everything kind of happened there. I really like that. Mm. Even if we had like one big space and then maybe in the basement we have the printers and then the next floor we've got the cutting and then the next floor. Do you know what I mean? I love that kind of... Just take over the whole or every single arch that you've got going. (laughs) (laughs) Like all the who's next door to you at the moment? (laughs) Yeah, well we've got a builder's merchant and then we've got a woodworker, so might come in handy. (laughs) It'd be cool if you had like the whole just like arch to arch to arch to arch of of, of, of floral printing going on in every single one of them. And it'd be cool to have also like a sort of kind of a, well, you already do like have this couture operation running from Peckham. Yeah. So it'd be nice to kind of do that more like bespoke side of it as well, which is quite nice. Mm. So the motto of Joyce, um, an ethos of Joyce is live curiously and connected. How do you personally stay curious? Especially at times like these, and how do you stay connected? I think we stay connected by all the people that we interact with who come to the studio. So there's that really nice like dialogue of just where people are at, and even businesses like you say we're in an arch, one of like fifty up here, and we kind of know lots of different people up here as well. So even just staying connected in how people are getting on and like what it means to be in business now and be alive now, what does it even mean? Like how do you stay connected with friends and family? And then curious, I have never walked as much in my life as I have over lockdown. <laughs> but um, I love going to, it's like really cliche, but kind of like secondhand stores and vintage shops and things like that. So I like just finding oddities, I guess, or even scraps of fabric that, that we could then be inspired by to make an embroidery in the same kind of technique or something. So 
that's kind of how we stay. Or gardening books. I'm loving gardening books at the moment, like old ones from like Ooh. the eighties. <laughs> well, I guess that extends to the floral idea. The the other question is, you know, with uh, Richard Quinn being so associated with florals, do you ever like get scared that maybe you might not be able to mine as much inspiration out of it eventually, or? Or you yeah. get tired of it yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we've done kind of every floor under the sun. I think there's ways of working it and textiles. And yeah, I feel like, imagine if we did like a geometric collection, how funny would that be? But <laughs> <laughs> You could. And like you say, where do you go from here? Like you have that aesthetic, but how do you grow it? So I feel like for me, that's a challenge anyway that I'd love to do and like explore before mm. I go anywhere else. But where yeah, maybe just... it's nicer to grow your own thing and do, so. do it like to the best level that you can possibly do it. And then you can call it yours rather than being like employed by someone to execute someone else's oh. vision. More interesting to kind of overcome your own challenges right now and then make it solid for the future as well. Richard Quinn has the potential to become a modern 21st century English couture house, thinking not just about creating brilliant collections that stand the test of time, but also about how to give back to the creative community, how to foster an enthusiasm for fashion at the grassroots level, and how to help young designers establish their print production processes. And with that, the only thing left to say is, long live the Quinn.